Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You would have a short fuse as well if you're leading millions of people through a wilderness, right? Who don't respect you at all, constantly question you, and are just wanting to go back to Egypt, back to slavery, right? I would have struck the rock day one. I would have been like beating on the rock. Like, Lord, what did you do? What have you done to me? Right? Because he had those questions with God. He had those conversations with God as well. But man, he, he just knew it. Like, he's worth it. Moses is one of the most well-known and respected figures in the Bible next to Jesus. He lived a life of faith that earned him a revered place in Judeo-Christian history. As Pastor James will point out in today's message, Moses escaped death as a child to be raised in the lap of power and luxury. He could have had a really good life by man's standards, but he listened to the voice of God and pursued his calling. He messed up and he definitely made some big mistakes, but in the end, God used him for great things. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. I'm going to pay you to raise your baby. Well, that's beautiful. I love that. That's a great plan. That's, a, that's fantastic. So she, by faith, they hid Moses. This is an act of faith. This is what we get in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, and it wasn't just her, it was her and her husband. Hebrews 11 identifies that it was both mom and dad together that said, we have to hide this baby. And so they hid the baby. And then lo and behold, coincidentally enough, Pharaoh's daughter comes strolling down to the riverside, finds baby Moses, and is like, this is a beautiful baby. It's a Hebrew baby. She knows that. And praise God, she's not like her dad. Praise God that she didn't listen to her dad's role. She could have killed Moses and would have been justified in doing so. But no, she saw something. She said, no, this baby boy needs to go home, needs needs to be mine. And so he gets weaned by his mom and his mom, and they get paid by Pharaoh to raise their baby boy who would soon deliver his people from Egypt. Crazy how God works. Amazing how God works. I think God has a sense of humor. Um, and I think he just laughs at our wisdom and the knowledge of man, right? And he's like, are you serious? You guys think you're so smart. You got nothing. We have nothing on him. Nothing. We don't even begin to scratch the surface of his wisdom. He's amazing. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. Moses sounds like the Hebrew word for draw out is what that, is what that says there. So here's Pharaoh's daughter. She finds Moses, sends him to, to his mom unknowingly. She sends him to his mom, and he is raised to a certain extent by his mom. But then mom's got to give baby boy up. 
in order to save his life, she had to give him away. And that's a hard thing. That's a, that's a tremendously difficult thing. I can't even imagine what it would have been like for Moses' mom and dad. I'm sure they still got to see him, you know, and maybe it was at a distance. I don't know. We, we don't have any of the gaps filled in for us from the scriptures. We know that Moses was raised in Pharaoh's household, and because he was the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, he really could have been in line to lead, to rule. There's some ideas, um, ancient kind of Jewish literature that's out there saying that Moses was thought of as being a mighty warrior, a mighty warrior. But he grew up, he grew up in the household of, of Pharaoh. But as he's growing up and as he's receiving the best education that is, you know, known to mankind at that point in time in, in Egypt there, tremendously educated, growing up there, learning to read, learning to write, learning all this crazy stuff. He knows, this is, these are not my people. This is not where I belong. They're not, this, this is not who I am. I know that this is who adopted me. This is maybe who God used to rescue me, so to speak, but these are not my people. This is not who I am. This is not my identity. And Hebrews chapter 11 you can jump back to there. Hebrew chapter 11 now kind of transitions from Moses' mom and dad's faith to Moses' faith. The first act of his faith was choosing his identity, who he was going to be. It says, verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. Okay, that's something, that's a phrase that you should mark within your Bibles. You should either underline that, you should put a star by that, you should circle it, you should highlight it, you should do all of the above. Because I can tell you this, the pleasures of sin are fleeting, fleeting. Yes, there is joy and there is, you know, euphoric sensation and all like, but it only lasts for a second. I don't care what the sin is. It does not last. It cannot sustain you. It will never satisfy. There is no end to it. And Moses got that. When he had grown up, how old was he? Well, could have been, you know, this is right before he, he killed an Egyptian. So he grew up in the household, and this is no slight to Pharaoh's daughter at all. But he's like, I'm sorry, but I'm not Egyptian. I'm not your son. I'm a Hebrew. And those are my people. And at this point in time, his people are enslaved. And he chooses to say goodbye to the wealth and comfort and pleasures that this world had to offer to him which he could have just indulged in all he wanted. He said no to those things. And he says, I will, I will be with my people. And if that means I suffer, then I suffer. Because a life of suffering is better than a life of fleeting pleasure. And that's something that I, as Christians, we need to understand. We need to get Church of America needs to, this lesson, I think sometimes more than anything. Nobody likes to talk about sin anymore. I mean, just, just watch some of your popular church services. Like, nobody's talking about sin anymore. Nobody's telling you, hey, sin, it's fleeting. 
It won't last. It won't do anything for you. In fact, it, it makes it worse for you. In fact, you should say no to the temptations for that. And, and you should choose this pathway, the pathway of suffering. Nobody's preaching that because that doesn't fill seats. That doesn't get retweeted. That's not going to get you more followers on Instagram or whatever else, Snapchat and all that stupid stuff, right? Like nobody, nobody's going to follow that because nobody wants that. But that's the reality. Moses, growing up in a life of comfort, could have very well easily just said, you know what? I like this. I can have anything I want. I know those are my people out there. I know they're slaves. I know they're suffering. And he probably felt this, this unction from God of like, I've selected you, Moses. I got a plan for you. He could have ignored that and said, you know what? But I like this. And he could have indulged in that. Wealth, I mean, just wealth that you can't even measure. All the desires his flesh would have had could have been met there in a life lived in Egypt, in a life lived in a palace. But it says by faith, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused that identity because that's not who he is. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. That was an act of faith. Why? Because he saw something better coming. He saw something better coming. This world can offer you pleasures that last momentarily. And it is better for us to deny those things and to live for something that will last forever. There's something better coming for us, guys. There's a better thing in store for us. There's a way better thing in store for us than what this world could ever, ever offer us. And Moses got that. And he says, you know what? I'll pass on this because I'm living for what's to come. I'm living for what's to come. Well, that means you're going to suffer. Bring it on. Then I suffer. Then I suffer. But the suffering's worth it. I'll take his suffering for a moment. If I'm going to choose something that's momentary, give me the suffering and you can keep the sin. And that's what he did. That was an act of faith. So that's on Moses' list. He gets multiple ones on his list. It's like, his, his mom and dad, he can't claim that himself because he was just a baby and he's got no control over them hiding him when he was born. That's mom and dad's. But Moses's, this is his first one. And there's more to be added to his. So he chooses that, verse uh, 26. He considered the reproach of Christ. Amazing, right? He was, had that foresight. He's already thinking about Jesus, is what the author of Hebrews is letting us know, who is inspired by the Holy Spirit saying back in Exodus, when Moses made a conscious decision to say, no, you know what? I'm going to separate myself. He was already thinking about Jesus. He was thinking about Jesus. How could the author, of, how could the writer of Hebrews know that? Because the Holy Spirit knows all things. And the Holy Spirit knew what was happening in Moses's heart and mind back then. And Moses's eyes were fixed on the coming Messiah. He says, I'm going to live for that guy. I'm going to live for today for that guy. He chose to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Remember, he, was, he had access to all kinds of money 
it would have never been an issue for him. It would have never have been, him getting his vehicle registered would have never been an issue for him, right? He's not waiting for the next paycheck or the paying your high gas bills and all that stuff. But it was like, he's living in the lap of luxury, man. But he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. You want to make it in this life, in this race that Christ has you on. And you keep your eyes on Jesus. He is the reward. He was the reward for Moses, and he's the reward for us. And just like Egypt, the world, was willing to throw all sorts of temptations his way, he says, no, I'm going to keep my eyes on him. I'm going to run this race. Do you do it perfectly? You know the story of Moses, right? I don't have to answer that. You know Moses was a messed up guy, right? A little bit of a short fuse. You would have a short fuse as well if you're leading millions of people through a wilderness, right, who don't respect you at all, constantly question you, and are just wanting to go back to Egypt, back to slavery, right? I would have struck the rock day one. I would have been like beating on the rock, like, Lord, what did you do? What have you done to me, right? Because he had those questions with God. He had those conversations with God as well. But man, he, he just knew it, like, He's worth it. He's worth it. He's worth it. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. He was looking to the reward. Here's another faith moment for him. Verse 27. By faith, he, Moses, left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Seeing him who is invisible. That's a reference towards God, right? So what are we talking about here? Is this when he left Egypt after he killed that Egyptian? Probably not. Because if you go back to Exodus' account of that, uh, which, which follows right after his birth story, um, he was out cruising around in Egypt one day and he saw two Hebrew slaves being mistreated. And so he thought, probably, I'm the deliverer. Let me start delivering, right? And he kills this guy. And then, lo and behold, it all catches up to him, right? Because that wasn't the time, that wasn't the place, and that wasn't the means that God was wanting to use to deliver his people, okay? And then he comes back the next day, and the, his own people, his, the Hebrews are like, oh, what, you're going to kill us like he killed that Egyptian? And then he freaked out. And then word got back to Pharaoh. And then Moses booked it. He belled into the wilderness for 40, 40 years, right? Like, just being a shepherd, he was afraid then. So I believe that this is not talking about that instance. I believe this is talking about when God is going to use him to deliver the people out of Egypt. And there, Moses is a different guy. He's a different guy. It says, by faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. You know that the Pharaoh, who is also called a king here, but the Pharaoh, when Moses and Aaron were constantly showing up at his door and there were plagues after plagues after plagues, <laughs> 10 of them, this dude was losing it, right? The Pharaoh. So when Moses, when it is time for them to leave, clearly he wasn't going to be the happiest guy, the Pharaoh anyways. But again, he, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Again, it's speaking of his focus. His focus was on the Lord. His focus was on the Lord. I mean, he's doing a tremendous, a tremendous act to lead all these people out of Egypt back to their homeland. That's crazy. That's insane. Just the undertaking of that is just absolutely insane. But he kept his eyes on the Lord. 
Verse 28, another one. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Right? We remember that story. That was the end of it all. All the plagues. And you got frogs, you got flies, you got boils, you got blood, you got darkness, you got, you name it, it's happening. And all those plagues were direct attacks against the Egyptian gods themselves. So-called gods, right? You just look at them, you're like, oh, that's God saying, that God's nothing, that God's nothing, and that God's nothing, right? The last, we have the Passover, where you have to, you have to spread the blood over the door mantle, and so that the, the angel would pass over your house, sparing your firstborn child. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. That was an act of faith on Moses' part, And then there's one last little story concerning Moses. And this isn't so much his credit. This is now the credit of the people, which is strange, considering the fact that these people are are crazy. They just, the, the, the first generation that left Egypt, like, my goodness. I mean, you talk about some difficult people to deal with. I mean, I don't, God had his hands full, it seems like, with some of these people were like, I mean, even day one when they're leaving, they're like, you know what we miss? We miss all that awesome food from Egypt. You know, that's what we miss. We miss that. And they're like, you, you were slaves. You had no freedom. Yeah, but it was, it was okay. It was okay. You, your workload got increased and your material got decreased. Yeah, but you know, we made it. It's all right. No, it's not all right. You were slaves. Like, are you crazy? Yeah, but we really miss those onions. Onions? You want, you're missing out on Funyuns and you want to go back to slavery. Like seriously, do you not know that God has a better plan for your life? Do you not know that something better is down the road? Oh, what a great example. I love teaching through Exodus and specifically for those things. And for us as believers, keep your eyes on the Lord. He has delivered you from Egypt. Don't go back ever. It's not worth it. I don't care what the world had to offer to you. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Keep pressing on. Keep marching forward. And you get to the Red Sea, just wait a second and let him do something about it. Don't freak out. Here's the next story. Verse 29. By faith, the people, Moses is a part of the people, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But The Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned, right? So this is an act of faith on, yes, Moses and Aaron and all of the people. And this would have been an act of faith on our part as well. Because you tell me you approach a big body of water, and yes, it is the Red Sea, not the Reed Sea that dries up sometimes. No, this is the Red Sea that had to be split, and the ground is completely dry. I'm telling you, it's going to take an act of faith to walk through that thing. I don't care who you are. Like, I don't care who you are. This body of water here, body of water here, this is not natural. This is not natural. And God says, through Moses, let's go. That's an act of faith on their part. And yes, they were freaking out when they saw the Egyptians coming and getting closer and they were losing their minds and all that good stuff. But man, God made a way in the right time. And they had to make a choice. Will you trust him? Will you go through it? That's what faith looks like. That's what faith looks like. That's what it looked like for Moses' mom and dad, where Moses, I mean, he's, he's conceived in dark days. There is now a law 
that says if your child is a male child, you have to kill him. And they said, no, we won't do that. We'll hide him for as long as we can. And we will trust God that God will take care of our baby. And God did. And he did. And even when they had to say goodbye to their baby boy and let him be raised in Pharaoh's house and and with the potential of like, man, the world is going to steal away my kid. The world is going to steal away my kid. When the time was right, Moses says, you know what? I don't want to be a part of this world. I want to be connected to him. I want to live for Jesus. And Moses made that decision. Mom and dad had to trust that Moses was going to make that decision. That's not, that, that applies to, to some of us in this room. You got kids, and you're afraid that the world is going to steal your kids away. We have to trust that whatever that time frame is, that we have those little ones, that we're pouring Jesus into these kids, testifying to them of how good he is, because the world's going to tell them the opposite. The world will tell you, the world will tell their kids that God is not good, that God is not loving. The world will seize an opportunity to try to convince our kids that God is not good. But we continue to pour into them, whether you're kids, whether you're grandkids, whether you're, they're your spiritual kids, so to speak, as you're pouring and discipling into them, we, we get this opportunity to tell them and to testify about how good Jesus is and how amazing it is. Plant those seeds. And then when they get old enough, just like a Moses, and he says, you know what? I don't want to live for this world. Man, I want to live for the one that my parents told me about. Who, I mean, who's planting those seeds in his mind? Surely it wasn't Pharaoh. I'm sure it wasn't Pharaoh's daughter. Somebody had to be telling Moses or had to have told Moses about Yahweh. Somebody had to have. So maybe in that weaning out process, man, they laid some seeds into him and whatever age he was when he was delivered over to them, they had planted some seeds within his his head and his heart and God got a hold of him. And he's like, I'm going to walk with him. I want to live for him. Give me the suffering because I know better days are coming. That was an act of faith on his part. That's what faith looks like in in trying times. Keeping the Passover in the midst of complete chaos and darkness as well. Lives are on the line. And then leading a people to a body of water where there is no way. There's no way. You are hemmed in. You got mountains on this side and you have a big body of water on this side. There is no escape. There is no escape unless God does something miraculous. And God did the miraculous at the right time. And it was the faith of the people to say, you know what? We trust him. Let's walk through this thing. Let's get to the other side. That's what faith looks like. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of darkness, faith in Christ Jesus is able to show up and say, you know what? I'm just going to keep my eyes fixed on him. We will go out through this. We will go through this. Better days are coming. Better days are coming. And that's Moses' life. Like I said, 80 some odd years in four verses, basically. There you go. But he got more moments of faith than really anybody else to this point. And as far as I understand, he'll have more than anybody else listed after this point. Moses is a tremendous man, tremendous man of God, but he was only a tremendous man of God because he kept his eyes on God. And he lived for Jesus. 
If you live for the Messiah, we got to do the same thing. We need to do the same thing. Who is your hero of the faith? For me, it changes by the day and circumstances. Most of the time, I look at Joseph. He's a dreamer just like me, and he faced extraordinary hardship along the path that God laid out for his life. And then sometimes I look at Paul, who willingly suffered and gave up his freedom and his life for the sake of the gospel. I want to be like Paul, single-minded and devoted to the cause of Christ no matter what the world throws my way. And other times I look at Abraham, who received a promise and then waited years to watch God make it happen. Whatever circumstances I find myself in, I can turn to Scripture and know that I'm not alone. Looking at the heroes of faith gives me the courage to persevere in my own race. And that's why Pastor James Grizzle is bringing us the stories of these heroes in this series on Bread for the Broken. As he shares story after story, listen to the story that God is telling you. You can hold on to those stories and keep them for the day that you're going to need that encouragement and strength. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. Are you in the area? We'd love to have you come see us. We're here on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. For more information and directions, head on over to breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that website is breadforthebroken.com. And for those of you that can't make it in person, we live stream on Facebook. Well, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.